Gennaro Rewind, hosted by Matt Namofsky. Hello NRL fans, and welcome back to the NRL Rewind podcast. I'm your host, Matt Namofsky, and welcome to Round 3 TLT. Today I'm joined by Chris. Chris, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks for having you on, mate. So Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. That's it, mate. Now, what we'll do, we'll go through each of the games. We'll go through the lineups, what we think is going to happen, and we'll talk through some super coach waiver options. So first game up, the Thursday game is the grand final rematch. It's the Penrith Panthers hosting Melbourne Storm. For the Panthers, they are unchanged 1-17. to So Nathan Cleary is being monitored in the concussion protocol. It'll be a five-day turnaround if he does play. Matt Burden has been named in the reserves. Apicorosau is also still out for another five weeks, and Mitch Kinney retains the hooking spot. And for the Melbourne Storm, Felice Cafusi suspended for three games. So Matt Eisenhuth comes into the starting lineup. Smoothie's been dropped to the reserves. Aaron Penny and Nico Hines have been added to the bench. Chris, where do you see this one going, mate, with the Panthers hosting Melbourne Storm in the rematch? This, to me, is going to be the exciting game of the round, mate. I can see, personally, that the Panthers are going to come out and just be like, you know what? Last time we met, you had the goods over us. This time, we're taking it. I can definitely see, you know, definitely all of them having that extra experience working in that sort of grand final and now just like putting it all to good use. Yeah, definitely, mate. I think it's a slightly obviously different pack. We've spoken about some of the changes. No James Tarmow, no Ted Varner. So there's been some movement in the in the forward pack. But to me, a Jerome Luai uh, is a totally different player to what he was in the grand final. I think he's just taken an extra step this season. Even if Nathan Cleary is arrested during this game, I still think, Luai and Burton will be able to carry the load here. I'm with you. I think the Panthers are going to come out firing. It almost reminds me of the, the semi-final last year where the Roosters came to Panther Stadium and the Panthers mm. just jumped them from the start. I could definitely see that happening. For Melbourne, obviously the big one here, uh, Felice Cafusi, representative second row, are not there. What, what do you think the impact is? Obviously, he's on the Jerome Hughes side. Do you see Matt Eisenhuth starting or do you think uh, Billy Ake would do a bit of a switcheroo and try and put someone else in that spot? I mean... Taking a look at the interchange, I don't see anyone displacing Tom Eisenhuth. He has played in that sort of second front row, I believe, in the last regular round last year, I believe, against that Dragon side. And he did do pretty well there. But then again, he ain't that Felice Kafusi. But seeing how the Storms attack, I always see them going down that sort of Kenny Bromwich side anyways. So I think he's just more of a plug hole, you know, try to keep that defense up to scratch on that side. But yeah, I just see him sticking in that spot. Yeah, definitely agreed. And I think for Melbourne, the interesting one here is going to be, uh, you know, obviously poor conditions all games last week. So a lot of the attack did get stunted. Uh, and in that Melbourne game, especially, that was the worst conditions of the route. So you didn't really get to see Pappenhaus and Munster Hughes get their foot their footprints all over the game. So hopefully we have a dry track and we can kind of see these Melbourne boys really fire up and, you know, storm after a, after a loss. You know, Bellamy's yeah. going to get them firing. So it's going to be a very interesting game. From a waiver, from a super coach perspective, do you see any names that you see in terms of a captaincy option or a waiver option that you're looking at here? Hmm. I'll throw out one name to you, Matt. Definitely not Charlie Staines. Oh. <laughs> oh, poor Matt. Yes, everyone, as you may know by now, Matt himself has Charlie Staines. He's had big raps for him, as you can hear from the previous podcast. I think we can say this has been one that he does not want to discuss. <laughs> Look, if I can throw in that it's a trap meme, I would. You know, I was all over you know, <laughs> six, six tries in two games last year, one and a half games. But 
Yeah, from from all looks of he's catching a cold out there. Mom, if the war does go that side, Momorovsky's getting it and putting it over. So, look, you know, 100%. it's early days, but you know, I'm not. He's definitely just a uh, he's he's one to look out for. And if you got him, probably <laughs> just put him on the bench and wait for a favorable matchup. But yeah, nah, ha- happy to cop that one. That was not not a good one. Yeah, but in terms of super coach for me, I'm still monitoring that Moses Liotta versus Spencer Linu battle. I mean, you look at the stats, both of them, 14 runs, 135, 34 meters, you know, uh, runs each. But you look at the minutes, Liotta gets 41 minutes and Spencer's got 29. So, you know, quality of a quantity. I can see definitely Spencer displacing at some point. Um, also looking at Liam Martin himself mm-hmm. off the yeah. bench, 51 minutes. You know, he comes on at about that 30 minute for kick out and he just stayed on. So that's someone I'm just eyeing off to see how he's going to be used more in that sort of like take it up, you know, hit that sort of, you know, bunch of forwards in front of him or is he hitting that hole, you know? And as we discussed before, you know, time Tom Eisenhuth for that DPP in that minutes, I'm already eyeing him off just to replace my uh, my Kyle Felt. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Look, for me, the top three waivers in most leagues, I, I could see these guys on a waiver. I think Mitch Kenny. Would be number one if the appy if the appy owner doesn't have a backup or if anyone's not really happy with their mm-hmm. hooking option. You know, Kenny got 80 last week. Tom Eisenhuth, as you said, is the jewel, so you can stick him in your centers. And you know, if you get your base 40, you'll take that every day. And the other one, just to mention, Nico Hines is coming in for his first game of the season. Um, you know, obviously played really well when he got on the field last year. So if you have got Ruben Stash on a bench, he might be an interesting stash just to wait for the right matchup if some rests and representative rounds come up. Yes, definitely. All right, we'll move on to the first Friday game. It's the Dragons hosting the Manly Seagulls. So for the Dragons, they are un- unchanged 1-17. to 17. For Manly, we do have a couple of changes. So Andrew Davey out with his ACL for the season. So Josh Schuster comes into the second row. We've got Morgan Boyle who comes onto the bench. And Cade Cust, who has been named, but he's obviously in the concussion protocol. Good news for Manly fans. Looks like Tom Turbo is a week away from returning. So do I want to monitor for super coach purposes? How do you see this game going? You know, you're obviously the manly fan out of us. Um, disappointing start of the season, but you know, some some claw back and some fighting signs last week. What do you see from this manly side? What I'm seeing at Wednesday in Wollongong, I'm guessing we're going to start zero and three. I do not see, even as a manly fan, seeing us getting over the Dragons the way that they showed that grit up in North Queensland. I wish Manly could display some form of that, but. To be fair, like, you know, be great attack at best. DCE, for regardless of the, you know, weather conditions, they just did not know how to take control against that south side. Um, I'm just going to have to say, you know what, give it to the Dragons in this case. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's one of the, one, one of the ones I'm looking forward to this week. I think this is, you know, you never want to start the, the season 0-3. So this is, a, you're not getting to must-wins territory, but you're getting very close already. Uh, I do, I'm interested in Schuster. Obviously, when Kieran Foran signed at the club, um, you know, there were a lot of people saying that he should be the 5'8", but, you know, come come on and played second row last week and actually played pretty well. Uh, so, interesting to see if he does start there or if uh, Des Hasler does do a little bit of tinkering with the lineup. Uh, but for the Dragons, yeah, you mentioned it in North Queensland. Um, you know, that was a back-and-forth game and there was that one, that one bit in the second half where uh, the Cowboys had three sets on the line and Dragons defensively held mm. them out. And, you know, the last two seasons from the Dragons, we haven't seen that. So, you know, they're getting a bit of grit to them, like you said. Um, and, you know, Corey Norman, for how polarizing he is, definitely showed a bit of class in terms of when he was back up there. Um, led them around the park. Ben Hunt played his best game in a Dragons jersey by far. Um, really took the took the line on well. 
Um, so I'm really interested for this one from from a dragon's perspective. You know, a lot of people, sorry, a lot of people tipping them for the spoon after they got thrashed in the charity shield. What have you seen from them in the first two rounds? Um, any interest there? Do you think they're going to be pushing for a top eight spot, or do you think they're probably going to be sitting around that you know eleven to fourteen range? At this point, uh, seeing the quality, I'm guessing seagulls with the quality they're going to be the wooden spooners. First time in history, I'm going out and say that. If they keep it up the way that they're going right now, they're getting that spoon. With the Dragons, I see them maybe approaching maybe that, like you said, that 11 to 14. I don't see them, you know, near that spoon if they continue with this. But remember, we have seen Dragons fade quite easily across, you know, the past couple of seasons. So it's a matter of do they keep this up? Do they maintain this grid? Do they do it for the fans? Yeah, definitely. And I guess one more question from a manly side. Obviously, we did mention Turbo back next week potentially. Is this a turbo? Is this a is turbo good enough to cover the cover the masks here and get him up to pushing to a top eight spot? What's the impact he comes in? Obviously, the attack revolves around him when he's in the side, but all, all the the problems of being a top heavy roster and you know some of the injuries they've already sustained. Does Tommy Turbo come in here and really change the fortunes for this team? It does give us that new focus point of attack, which you know, with Dylan Walker being a fullback does not offer. Um, but if we look at all the top sides, it's that spine, that one, six, seven, and nine. And you can even throw in that 13. Um, right now, yes, Dave Chavin has that sort of, you know, resume of being that quality player. But unless he has those sort of people around them, I just don't see him leading this sort of manly team out of right. And like you said, Tommy Turbo comes in. Yes, he can throw that sort of out the backboard and just say, you know what, run it up, do your magic. But that's not how you win, you know, um, finals against that's not what carries you to that sort of grand final. You look at the storms, you look at the south, that spine is just, you know, night and day compared to the Seagulls side. Yeah, and, and you know, it's pretty shocking when you look at a couple of years ago, the, the hooking rotation for Manly was Finu and Coruscant. And obviously oh. now you've got Croker and Cust, you know, two two halves that are filling in for you there. You know, it just shows you the light and day of you might have a really good one season and then you know two seasons later you're looking around going, what's happening? So totally, totally agree there. Uh, from a super coach option, uh, what what are you seeing in this game? Any anything pique your interest here? Uh, you've already me- mentioned that Josh Shushta. Um, I do have to say that he does remind me of that sort of young Wade Graham with his sort of build mm. and his sort of five eight skills. Um, but with three forwards on the bench and Jakey, you know, being at eighty minutes, you know, a second front row will have to lose that minutes, you know. But he did show, you know, thirty eight tackles. Um, didn't do a lot of hit-ups, but obviously against Southside, you will be defending a lot. Um, but I will have to say, if he does get picked up, to be wary of that, I think he's going to be that sort of attacking sort of base. You know, he, he has to rely on those sort of tries. He won't be the one you'll be expecting to chug it up and get him out of those sort of meters. He just isn't that sort of player. Uh, two other players that does interest me, Alvaro. Now, mm. he has a crazy PPM, but... I don't see him knocking off, you know, Vaughn to be a starter, maybe Laurie, but, you know, he does have 12 points in offloads and that sort of 10 in that line break from the last game, I believe. Yep. You take that out, you know, um, still tackle-wise, 30 in 48 minutes is quite solid. Um, and the other players, maybe Paseca, um, starting could be interesting, but, you know, he did start a few times last year, but again, relies heavily on that sort of attack to get those sort of keeper scores. Um, great PPM, but his minutes do fluctuate. And, you know, what I have realized with a lot of the teams these days is that 
the bench is getting more minutes now. So I wouldn't say all oh, starters are have to be, you know, 60 minutes. Now I'm seeing bench is going from 20, 30 minutes average up to about 40. So they're even balancing out the start yeah. of minutes. So, so yeah. Uh, you, you've hit the nail on the head there. I've got two of the ones you've said. So Schuster, a great comp by Wade Graham. I think, you know, definitely starting with the half skills and moving to the edge. Avaro to me is the interesting one. Got 51 minutes last week compared to Vaughan's 39. So I don't know. I don't know if Paul, there was no mention of a Paul Vaughan injury or just Hook just kind of saw how the game was flowing and thought that Alvaro was offering more go forward. Uh, but I do, I do like that shout. The other one I will mention here, um, he's owned in less than half leagues is Cody Ramsey. Um, you know, it's a good matchup. Uh, so if he is on a waiver, I wouldn't mind plugging and playing him this week, um, ju- just in terms of the matchup. Um, but anything else you want to hit on this game, uh, being, being the Manly fan, you know, first one on the podcast is, you know, you see, I was saying 0-3, do you give him any chance? How, how do you see this game going where you can see a victory for Manly? For victory, I need to see some better five, you know, tackle five options from Daly Cherry Evans. Watching him last week, if he runs out of that sort of those options, he's just taking that line on himself, which ironically we do want some other halves in the comp to do. Hmm. But if you want to be that sort of controlling $1.2 million, you know, whatever amount he's on for the contract, you expect a good balance. You don't want him to making those sort of wrong options all the time, which I did see quite a bit of last um, last game, which I'm not very fond of. All right, well, well, let's hope for you it's, it's a win for Manly. We'll move, on to the sec- we'll move on to the second Friday game. It's the South Sydney Rabbitohs hosting the Sydney Roosters in a Friday blockbuster for the Rabbits. Uh, we've got Jackson Polo out with his second HIA in two weeks. So Josh Mansell returns in the lineup. We've also got Adam Reynolds, who has been named, but also being monitored for a HIA knock. For the Roosters, we have a couple of changes here. Angus Crichton back in the starting lineup. So that moves Nat Butcher back to the bench. Victor, Victor Radley is also named to return from his ACL injury on the bench. So that pushes out Drew Hutchison and, and Fletcher Baker. Uh, no word on Jake Friend's injury. Sam Verrill still a couple of weeks away. And Sam Walker is listed in the 21 jersey again in the reserves. So this is a huge matchup, Chris. How do you see this one going? Who's going to get the chocolates in here, the rabbits or the roosters? If we're going off those first two games, how can you deny the roosters at this point? How can you say no to them winning the comp? The the rabbits, yes, they um they have that sort of quality side, but even in that weather, you know, Manly did put up a little bit of a fight. And with that sort of quality side of sales, they should have been putting us to the sword, to be honest, if you know. What I mean. And then you looked at the way that the Roosters carried themselves, you know, professionally. They knew what each of them were doing. And my God, Tedesco and Morris could slaughter any team that's in front of them at this point. <laughs> it's it's actually incredible. Like, you know, I was hearing a lot of, a lot of pre, pre-season previews and, you know, the Roosters are on their last legs, and I even made a couple of points about you know some of the some of the older players in this team, like the Morris boys. But the way they've started this season, it's just incredible. This you know, it's not it's the Ford pack. You know, there's a couple of names in there, but you know, Lindsay Collins, who is now starting for Hargreaves. You know, Takiyahu is still playing great. Angus, you know, he's back in the lineup now. So this Ford pack rolls, and then on the back of it, Luke Keary is just the dominant playmaker of the comp right now. It's so hard to argue, you know. Lachlan Lamb, God bless him, you know, Scott got it in his jersey, but he's barely touching the ball because Kiri's just running both sides of the park, Teddy swinging out the back. So I think you're right here. My money's here is on the Roosters. But I do think the Rabbits can make it interesting. We really haven't seen the Rabbits since the Charity Shield really put it on like everyone thought they were going to score 40 a game. You know, there was those 
people just said get every get every rabbito in your super coach side because you know there's gonna be points abundance. Um, you know, a tough matchup with the Melbourne Storm in round one in Melbourne. You know, the dog fight in the rain at Brookie. So, you know, they're an outside chance. But, yeah, I think, like you said, the Roosters here are just really, really impotent form. What have you seen from the – do you think the Rabbits can offer anything here? You know, Latrell's been really good. But I'd say Cody Walker's been a little bit quiet. What have you seen from Cody and, and Latrell? You know, is there any – are they still trying to figure it out because they weren't playing together at the end of last season? Or where, where do you see the, uh, the focus of attack shifting here? As you mentioned, yeah, towards that end, there was no Latrell. So I guess Cody said, you know what, I'm taking this team and carrying it on my shoulders. But now with Latrell being that sort of extra hands of playmaking the back, I think he sort of tried to take that little step back and see if he can be more of that sort of team player rather than, you know, just you know doing it all himself. I really sad to say how Cook tore up Manly last mm-hmm. week. I got Rex Supercoach and as a Manly fan, but it was really good to see that he responded really well to that sort of criticism of not running in that first round. And you saw how damaging he was. He just, just tore us apart single-handedly at that point. So if he can, you know, demonstrate that sort of ability against this, um, this Rooster side, then I can definitely see them, you know, taking the chocolates, as you said. Yeah. And look, you know, another super coach one for me, Joy Arrow, um, coming off the bench and like one of those players, like you said, who's not getting those bench minutes traditionally, he's pushing past the 50 minutes, uh, a game. He's just been really strong off the bench for them. Um, so I'd love to see their, their forward packet a little bit more dominant. You know, Cam Murray did play 80 last week, but just didn't really feel like that vintage Cam Murray 80 minute performance through the middle. Um, you really want to start seeing him get those quick play the balls to allow Cook, you know, any, like you said, Cook ran beautifully last week, but traditionally in the last couple of seasons, it's been off the back of a Cam Murray really rolling forward and getting those quick play the balls. And that wasn't the case last week. So I'm interested to see Cam Murray here, you know, Victor Radley, who will be coming on at some point this game, you know, they're always linked as the two best young forwards of the game. So it's going to be an interesting battle when they do get on the field. I do want to see a big Kimari performance here. In terms of waivers and captaincy, any super coach thoughts in this game? There's a couple of good options here. Um, You mentioned before Lindsay Collins. Man, that insane work rate. And he's getting those sort of minutes you know, really up there, you know, 30 tackles minimum, hits it up like a boss. So, you know, majority of your points will be, you know, those two points per hit up. Um, even if you take away his line break and try assist, if you saw last week, um, he still scores very well. So if he's on your waivers in like that, you know, smaller sort of um, draft teams, then I'll definitely look at him. Uh, Victor Radley, maybe if he's still on that waivers, if you recall from last year, he may have had that slow start, but then before his ACO injury, he was hitting like what, 60s, 50s, I think it was 100 at yeah. one point as well. Yeah. yeah. So I think like, you know, you mentioned earlier in your other podcast, you know, that moving away from that sort of traditional bulky 13 to that sort of more like skillful agile sort of ball playing 13 and I think that's really going to help his scores if he can you know just slot in and be like you know what Teddy give me that ball let me fly over or if he could be the one assisting Teddy you're going to see you know 80s 90s even I reckon yeah it's a great shout you know Victor Radley in the last couple of seasons has been that he's been moving away from that hit up 13 where he's offering a lot more shape and and starting the attack you know it'd be a half moving to him he moves on the Teddy so exactly right there could be a couple of line break assists couple of tries is coming his way. Uh, I know, obviously, you did pick him up in the draft and you've stashed him on the bench. And again, like you said, if he's sitting on anyone's waivers, I think it's a it's a, it's a priority waiver this week. The guy who's coming, you know, in the bottom of the table needs to pick up a Victor Radler because, you know, he's got that jewel. He's also that hooker. 
So, you know, th- there's plenty of options there. The other ones I will mention here, uh, Jerry Wiri Hargraves, 70 off the bench last week, all in base. Uh, I think he did have a line break assist, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, even though Lindsay Collins is getting those starting minutes, as a second front row, if you, you know, you're needing a coverage for one week, you can do a lot worse than Hargreaves. And the other one I will mention, I did mention in the last two, Benji Marshall. Obviously, you saw last mm. week when Adam Reynolds got the HIA. If you got root, if your bench is more just injuries and suspension pickups, uh, you can do a lot worse than Benji Marshall. If he comes in and you know they give uh, Adam Reynolds a rest in one game, you know Benji Marshall can come in and get you a solid score, especially you know predicted on matchups. So I do like the play there if you have got Benji in your waivers. Um, but again, in a really deep league, I think he'll still be sitting there even though it's a deep league. Um, but uh, it could be a good shout. Last one on this game, Josh Mansour. So obviously, Jackson Polo out for this week. Josh Mansour was dropped after the first game. What what do you think his job security is like here? In our league, uh, Johnny's got both Mansour and Polo. Um, do you drop Polo straight away or and do you feel safe with Mansour or do you still need to handcuff in your opinion? What do you reckon there? Absolutely not. I'm st- If I was Johnny, I'm sticking hard with Jackson Polo and just using Mansour's potentially at if someone is not paying attention to the team list, using his you know, trade leverage. Uh, Mansource is on very thin ice, I'd say. Once Paula does, you know, um, you know, recover from those sort of uh, head knocks, I reckon he's straight back in. If if Mansource was priority number one, he would have been there from round one, I'd say, you know, just without doubt. Yeah, and I think it goes back to in the preseason, I did throw out the rule that I do believe in. If a really good team lets you go, there's a reason. And obviously the Panthers had him in-house, saw the players around him and let him go. So, you know, he's still still a quality player and could still probably get the job done. But like you said, you got Jackson Pauly, you even got Stephen Masters there. you got Braden Burns who's coming back from injury. They just got a lot of depth in that back line. Uh, so I think you're right there. I think you definitely got to, if you've got both of them, handcuff them and don't let one of them go. We'll move on to the first Saturday game. It's the Canberra Raiders hosting the New Zealand Warriors. For the Raiders, only the one change. Jared Coker, the captain, is back in the centre. So Sebastian Chris moves into the reserves. A couple of injuries and suspensions for the Warriors. So Chanel Harris-DeVita confirmed to be out for 12 weeks with his foot fracture. So Sean O'Sullivan starts for the first game. Janine Tanoa brown is out suspended. So Bunty Afalo moves into the starting lineup. And we've got Jack Murphy who returns from his pec injury on the bench. Uh, Bailey Sirenen, who was in a sling last week, was only due to precaution. So he is named to start this week. So how do we see this one going? The Warriors just got pipped at the end by the Knights last week and the Raiders back-to-back wins in, you know, a bit of slugfest fashion. How, how do you see this one going, Chris? I'm seeing the Raiders will probably take this one out, mainly just due to their stability in their overall team. You know, obviously with Chanel being probably training that the entire sort of preseason with Cody and then throwing a new half in could, you know, stunt their attack maybe a little bit. I'm just going off the professionalism of Canberra and just seeing how they just got such a stable forward pass, such a stable, you know, back line that they're just going to get the job done. Yeah, it's re- really disappointing for Harris Tavita. You know, no no secrets that I was really high on him this year. And I thought he did start the season out pretty well. Um, you know, first full season as the, the lead playmaker, he came out and did really good things. Um, so it's going to be disappointing. But Sean O'Sullivan, who did get a couple of cracks with Brisbane last year, does move into this side now and obviously has 12 weeks to make it his own. Paul Turner is named in the reserves. So, you know, a couple of poor games, we could see some switching around to that number seven jersey. Uh, I do like Bunty Afola starting. I thought he was really strong off the bench in the last couple of weeks. That'll be a good one. And Jack Murchie did finish the season really well on an edge. So 
Um, look, you know, I think you're right here. It's going to be the Canberra Raiders for me. Um, Sebastian Chris, really unlucky to to miss out. Um, personally, I would have hoped to have seen Curtis Scott move out of the starting lineup and keep Sebastian Chris in. I thought he's did everything that he could have asked him to do um, to keep that starting spot. Uh, but again, like you said, the professionalism in that forward pack, when you're able to bring off the likes of Ryan Sutton, uh, Ryan James, Asia Soliola, when guys like Corey Horsberg and Corey Howard and I can't even make this starting side, Emre Gula can't make the 17, you know, it's just, it's stacked. What, how do you, how have you seen the, the forward rotation go with Ricky Stewart there? Obviously, Ryan James, they're all, you know, getting around that 40, 50 minute mark. Um, do you see a path in for those three guys I mentioned who aren't in the 17? Is there any any way they're going to make this team or do you think they're just going to set and forget until there's an injury or suspensions in the way? I'm going to go with that ladder. I'm going to say, you know, if it's not broken, why, you know, why try to fix it? If they're winning, 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 potentially, yes, maybe one of them could, you know, make its way in. If out of all of them, maybe I'd say Corey, uh, mainly because, uh, mainly because, he was there last year and they did bring him over, you know, for his sort of, you know, attacking prowess. But like I said, why, why try to tinker if it's working, you know? So. Yeah. And look, you know, everyone had that Corey Harrow penciled in on that edge before the season, but Hudson Young's come in there and it's been an absolute bull in there. He's just really working and showing his worth. You know, he did pick up a slight knee knock at the end of the last round. So hopefully he does pull through and, uh, and be, be fit. But Jared Croker, um, I was pretty vocal in the preseason pod that I think we've seen the best of Jared Croker, obviously entering a new phase of his career. Um, do you see it as a downgrade from a guy like Sebastian Chris or even a Matt Tomoko in the reserves, or do you still think Jared has a place in his team? Leadership-wise, I would say he needs to be there, um, maybe because he has been there for quite a while. But, you know, I just feel terrible for, you know, Sebastian Chris. He did everything he could to keep that spot, and he just looked tough. He looked energetic. And it's just something that, like like you looking at Croker recently in the last couple of years, I just don't have that sort of hype, that energy, you know. But seeing Chris, the way he took that sort of, you know, that match and just, like, went at it, you know, really excited to see when he does come in. Yeah, definitely. All right, from a super coach perspective, any any top waivers or trade options you're seeing in this game? Um, first things first, though, you mentioned Bunty Afoa. I'm actually going to go opposite with you here, Matt. I'm going to say don't get baited by Bunty Afoa. Um, he only got, I believe, 25 and 15 minutes in the first two rounds. So I think when he did start, I don't think he's going to get that sort of impact as you mentioned. He did look good, but super coach-wise, he could be another trap. Um, Sean O'Sullivan, yes, he does have that job security, but you mentioned that Paul Turner is going to be, you know, riding on his heels. So probably just maybe wait to see if he does, you know, score, you know, a decent amount before sort of getting him in. But my guess is, you know, Cody's going to be that chief and, you know, Sullivan's just going to find his moment. So maybe similar to that, Rooster situation, you know, Kiri and Lamb. Kiri's just going to be like all over and Lamb's just going to wait for his, you know, perfect moments. Um, Nick Aaron's going to kick those goals. So even if something kick, I wouldn't factor that into the decision. But the only person I would potentially look at from the super coach would probably be Ryan James. Now, he, he did look very solid, you know, 40 minutes a game, you know, in that Raiders four pack and on the bench. You have to say that's fantastic, you know. Yes, inflated by attacking stats, but just overall, the way he's running, you know, running like a young horse. It's just so good to see after, you know, his run of injuries. Um, 
But again, you know, if he doesn't get those minutes, you know, then I just don't see him making his way into my team. Yeah, I think you've mentioned a couple of them. So Ryan James with the duel, you know, and I think in most of these lineups, anyone who's going to be starting getting real minutes is already picked up. So Ryan James, you know, as a one-week injury cup, I don't mind it. And I do, I do agree with you. I do like Bunty Fowler starting for his energy, but from a super perspective, I do actually do like Lisa and Armel a bit better. Uh, mm. I think Armel will probably get the more stable minutes and, you know, a bit, bit more of a, of a proven workhorse in Supercoach. The only other one I will mention is Ben murdoch Masilla, obviously working his way into this side from the Super League. Um, I do think if a Bailey Sirenen, uh is rested for a week, murdoch Masilla may get that edge spot and could provide a couple of problems for the opposition. So there's not much from a Supercoach perspective, like you said, in this game, but a couple of ones, if you do need a plug, plug and play for one week, you know, there's, there's a couple of intriguing options here. Yeah. I do have to emphasize one more thing, Matt, is with James, Hudson Young could be out this week, which means that Soliola slots in. But if you look at that sort of reserve that's available, you know, three backs, you know, one hooker, I can only see Ryan James getting more minutes in this upcoming game if Hudson Young is out, I'd say, in my yeah. opinion. No, I definitely agree there. We'll move on to the second Saturday game here. It's the Brisbane Broncos hosting the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. For the Broncos, surprisingly unchanged 1-17, to which means Tom Deedon stays in the reserves. Uh, Anthony Milford and Brody Croft do get a reprieve for one more week. Uh, Payne Haas is back next week, so one just to keep an eye on there. For the Bulldogs, a couple of injuries and suspensions. So Raymond Faitala Marino out for five months with a foot fracture, so devastating news for him. Corey Waddell moves back into the starting lineup with Joe Stimson on the bench. Dallin Watine Selesniak is suspended. So uh, Topilotu Katoa starts in his place. And Sione Katoa moves back to the bench with Jeremy Marshall King starting. So this is the, the teams that came last and second last last year have seen a you know, not much changes from last year in the first couple of rounds for these two teams. Uh, where do you see? We've got two new coaches obviously trying to bring their teams to get their first win. What, what, what are you seeing here, Chris? Oh, gosh. At Suncorp Stadium, you probably might have to give it to Broncos for that advantage. Um, I'm really liking their sort of forward pack a lot better than the Bulldogs. So I would say if Broncos forward pack do turn up, you know, Ricky, Carrigan, Pango Jr., if they can get, you know, the ball rolling, they're, they're taking it home. But if Bulldogs, I've seen them being a bit more, would you agree, a bit more calm, a bit more collective, may not be, you know, to the extent of, let's say, one of the, the top eight, but they have shown a bit more, you know, stability with Trent Barrett at the helm. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think the I think between the two sides, the Bulldogs are a lot more calm uh, roster and a lot more calm presence around the club. Obviously, the Broncos, there was a lot of people who were just pencing them straight back into the top eight this season. Um, the Kevolution, as Chris called it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was never in that line. I thought, you know, there's there's a couple of stages in, you know, development that you can do to ca- kind of get back into the success that you need to get into. Uh, but the Bulldogs, to me, they kind of know, and I did mention it before the start of the season, this, they were ne- this was never going to be the season. Next year, the Fox comes in. Next year, Matt Burden comes in couple more contracts can come off the books. You can retool a little bit. But, you know, to me, the the one I will mention is Kyle Flanagan. Um, I, you know, I was a fan of him at the Sharks. I thought he got a pretty raw deal with the Roosters, Uh, a young man trying to make his way into first grade and, you know, put him into that champion team who had win-now expectations. I thought he played really well. And from the start of this season, yes, they got shot out last week against the Panthers. 
They lost pretty convincingly in the end to the Knights in round one, but I still like his demeanor around it, around the club. You know, you can tell on the field he's a leader. You can tell the boys around him really buy in and, you know, do defend him when he does get those, you know, those late hits on the kicks and things like that. So I agree, you know, even like a guy like Corey Allen, who's coming to play fullback, has not played anywhere great footy right now, but you can just tell that his spot's not under threat. Um, you know, there, there's just more there's more leeway, more runway for this Bulldogs team where I think the Broncos, the chopping, the changing, you know, Tom Dearden, you know, I was very surprised when he got axed for round one. Very surprised. And you saw last week in Reserve Grave, he carved up and got me into the match. So, you know, I like that Kevy's, you know, kind of staying by his ground and saying, this is what I think the best team is here. But what's your thoughts on the six and seven for the Broncos? A lot of criticism around Milford last week. Everyone obviously knows uh, a lot of people's opinions on Brody Croft and Tom Dearden was seen as the, the successor. What, what what do you see there with the six and seven? I I sort of have to go with your opinion, Matt, in your, you know, preseason sort of opinion with we need Milford and Dearden in that spot and Croft nowhere near it. Yes, I agree that you know, Milford did have a poor game, but I think his sort of performance is really dependent on his halves partner. So he needs someone there that sort of synergizes well with him. And I just don't see Croft being that man. I find that with, like, if out of those two, Dearden is the better choice to sort of suit his playing style. Totally agree. And, you know, it's it's known, my thoughts on Brody Croft are, from all reports and from everything that you hear in different podcasts and things, He's a great club guy, you know, great to have around the boys, trains really hard, all those things. But like you said, Milford is one of those players who always feeds off the energy from his other half partner. When Ben Hunt was playing his best footy, you saw Milford play his best footy. I thought last year, you know, again, it was a shit season for them. But when Deedon was the one controlling the game, that's when you get Milford to run the ball a little bit more. In the last couple of weeks when you've seen these, you know, Hail Marys from Milford when he's trying to get the team on his back, what else is he supposed to do? Is he supposed to just, you know, throw a short ball and, you know, hand it over on fifth tackle? You know, you've, you're asking your your superstar player to, you know, in a, to inject some things, you know. I love Jermaine Asako, but is he a top 12 fullback in the league? Probably not. So that's another position now. You say, do you like Jake Turpin? Maybe. Is he a top 10 hooker in the comp? Probably not. So, you know, the, these are the things that Milford is, you know, yeah, he's on the big money and, you know, a lot of big money players can, you know, put the team on their back, but it's a, it's a lot to ask for someone like Milford, you know, who's so creative and runs off eyes up footy. He's not the organizer. So it's going to be interesting to see from a super coach option. Do you see anything in terms of this game? It could be high scoring. Mm. Um, nothing that sort of peaks my mind. I'm more using this sort of round as just thinking about what's going to happen, you know, next in the upcoming weeks. You know, you mentioned Payne Haas coming back. You know, he's most likely going to take, you know, Tom Flagler's spot. Not to mention, you know, Lodge will be coming back soon as well. And then on the other side of the dogs, you have Luke Thompson's return is just around the corner, yeah. you know. So, I mean, the question for you, Matt, though, is, you know, how, how do you see Luke Thompson return affecting that forward pack, particularly the Mets? What's your opinion on that? Look, I think he comes straight into the starting lineup and I think he moves straight into the prop rotation. Um, mm. I, I did want to see him play a little bit of lock, but I think, you know, I, I was pretty high on the Jack Hetherington signing and I haven't really seen that materialize yet. Dylan Napa still hasn't shown, you know, the the form that I thought a lot of people were hoping for him. So I do think they need one of those big raging bulls in the front row, just, you know, tuck it under the arm for 15 runs a game, 200 meters a game. 
So mm. I think he will come in and probably, you know, they'll ease him in, uh, probably get it started up around that 45-minute mark. But, you know, we've yeah. seen him in the Super League. He can push up the 60-65. So um, I'm really excited to see him because I do think it will add a little bit more diversity to this attack. Um, but again, to me, the Bulldogs did the one thing that I hope they didn't do. I didn't want Josh Jackson at 13. Um, <laughs> and they did it. So to me, it's going to be until Trent Barrow starts pulling some of those key personnel decisions. Love Jeremy Marshall King starting again now that he's healthy. He's one of my okay. top waivers for the week. If, he's, if someone has dropped him off the waivers, I think pick up Jeremy Marshall King. Um, really crafty at Demi Half and, you know, certain matchups like this one against the Broncos could, could do a job. I think Corey Waddell is another one I've got listed down here. Uh, he'll be starting again now. Uh, I don't see Joe Stimson putting some games together to take the starting spot for him. So I do think Waddell's got a bit of a runway here to try and, you know, get some points. And the only Bronco one I would say that would probably be sitting on a waiver potentially is Herbie Farnworth. I think if Herbie's sitting on a waiver, especially for this round, pick him up, plug and play. Um, you've obviously got a couple of Broncos in your Supercoach lineup, Jordan, Ricky. Um, what have you seen from Jordan this year? You know, the the day for feeder replacement. How how has you been? Obviously, keeping a key keen eye on him. How's he going? Um, what I really do like about Ricky is his work rate. Not in terms of attack during that first round, but he is the one to sort of shy away from tackles. He's not the one to wait for the guy to run at him. He's he's running in there. He wants to make those tackles, which is what I really wanted from a player. And Pangai Jr. has just far exceeded my expectations. I'm so happy I picked him up so late in the sort of waivers. So I'm really happy about that as well. Um, but just briefly coming back to that sort of comment you had, Matt, about um, Corey Waddell, uh, I'm just looking at that sort of, you know, that bench and just seeing that I'm thinking Joe Stimson's going to take his minutes. You know, we have mm-hmm. Dylan Napa and a Tony being the props. Um, you're definitely going to have Jackson and Elliot playing 80 because that's what we've seen so far. So uh, Stimson, he's got to be the one to sort of displace Corey Waddell. And I've seen that, you know, before at Manly, he just doesn't have that sort of that um, endurance to last that 80 on some occasions. Like he just gets puffed out and he just doesn't have the impact that he does. Um, but in terms of, you know, other super coach options, I, I just don't see anything in, in this sort of game, in my opinion. Yeah, I think all the players that are going to do something in this game are already picked up. Um, yeah. You know, hopefully it's a drive track up there at Brisbane. Um, and if you've got some guys, you know, a pen guy, for example, I think it's a great captaincy option this week. Um, you know, even a Kyle Flanagan, who you've also got. Um, you know, if I didn't have really other, any other options, I wouldn't be afraid to slap the C on him. Um, so it's going to be it's gonna be a really interesting game. Probably for me, this is probably the game of the round, just from an entertainment value. And just to okay. see, um, you know, like we said, one of these teams is going to go 0-3. Um, and some alarm bells, especially from Broncos, so I really might start ringing um, if they do get picked by the dogs here. Mm. All right, we'll move on to the last Saturday game. It's the Parramatta Eels hosting the Cronulla Sharks. One change for the Parramatta Eels, Ryan Madison is out with his concussion. So Isaiah Papali'i moves into the starting rotation on the edge with Ray Stone returning from his injury on the bench. And for the Sharks, Maroa Hiroti has been dropped. Connor Tracy, interestingly, moves into the centres with Teague Wilton moving onto the bench. And just a quick couple of super coach notes here. Uh, Royce Hunt and Sosia uh, Talakai was scheduled to return round five. They've both been moved back to at least round eight. So a couple of interesting ones there. What, what are you seeing here from the Parramatta and the Sharks game here, Chris? 
Uh, what am I seeing at Banquet Stadium? I'm going to see Mike Receiver crossing the line, probably off a maybe a Mitch Moses cutout ball. I'm going to see Reed Mighty throw a dummy, running through the line. It's just going to be a lot of attack from the Eels, in my opinion. You know, Banquet, you know, from someone who loves to, you know, put on a couple cheeky multis, I'm chucking it on the Eels, to be mm. honest, to take, take the goods in this one. Yeah, it's, it makes me nervous as a Parramatta fan, but this is probably, to me, the easiest one of the round to tip. Um, and again, I hate saying that because, you know, now I'm going to be sitting there nervously while Parramatta's down <laughs> 16 to 12 with 10 minutes left. But, you know, when you, you lose a guy like Ryan Madison, who's probably one of the top three players at our club, and you bring in a guy who was on the free agent list for a long time in actual NRL terms, Isaiah Papali'i, you know, the Warriors let him walk, and there could have been a lot of clubs that could have picked him up and used him. So I'm really happy that Parramatta got him because he's just been a bull off the bench. The way he's been running the ball, he's been moving through that middle rotation. Uh, so mm. it'll be interesting him moving a little bit wider. Um, but I still love, I still love that he's be able to come in and replace Maddo there. Um, from a Parramatta perspective, the King Clint, um, what have you seen from him? Obviously, last week a defensive masterclass in saving a couple of tries. Um, would you say that Clint is a top five? Fullback in the comp? Top five. Oh, I'm going to have to sit here and count it out. You know, we've got, not in any particular order, we've got Pappenhausen, we've got, uh, would we, we add Tommy Turbo to the list, Matt? If he's, okay, a fit, fit Tommy Turbo. A fit Tommy Turbo, okay, uh, Teddy. Yep, we've got Teddy. Kalen. So we got Kalen. And yeah, I mean, if we take out Roger Tui, if he's leaving by the end of the year, then I think, yeah, I would definitely include him in that top he does what i like about clint is he's a he's got he's a man that has all the skills the playmaking the running you know and just the leadership i think that's what makes a good fullback not having one or missing one of those key factors can really you know stunt your growth as being that sort of top you look at tedesco he's yelling at his troops he's wanting that ball he knows how to you know throw that cutout to you know brett morris and he knows how to just throw that dummy and just take that line and break like you know every possible tackle that's in his way yeah and the one thing from a, from a Parramatta fan that i love is his availability he's he's always on the field you know he plays plays big minutes big meters but he's always out there um you know, a guy like Tommy Turbo who has all the skill and, you know, we've always said if Turbo's fit, he'll rival, he'll rival Teddy in terms of Supercoach and actual NRL. But, you know, to me, it's... you got to be on the field, you know? <laughs> You've got to be on the field. You know, availability is the best. Uh, it, it trumps a lot of things. So I do like that he's there. From a Sharks perspective, obviously the outside backs have been hit a little bit here. So you've got Jesse Raymond, who's suspended. You've got Jackson Ferris, who was in their reserves, who played a couple of games last year, who is injured again. Hiroti had a pretty poor performance last week, so got dropped. Connor Tracy. So, you know, traditionally a half, played a little bit of hooker, uh, come out in the precinct and says he wants to play fullback, and now they've shifted him into the centres. What do you see from Connor Tracy? Is there any um, interest from a super coach perspective, firstly, but from an NRL perspective, how do you see him going and fitting into that centre spot? I, I feel like the centre being that sort of that link to that winger, he he just needs to have a different skill set to a half, you know? Uh, you don't see, like, could you yourself, would you picture putting, you know, a Mitch Moses or a Dylan Brown, you know, into the centres and having that sort of same effect, you know? I, I just don't see that, you know? Um, but in terms of super coach, I, I mean, he's listed as a DPB half, 
but I just don't see him receiving that sort of ball in that center. You know, I think he's just going to be running that sort of decoy. Um, Matt Moore then out the back to Kennedy. Kennedy can chip and chase himself, or he can just cut it out to the winger. He, I just don't see him having that strength to run over a near Kore or even Opechich. I can't remember, you know, which wing he's and which center he's lining up against. If it's near Kore, yeah, good luck with that. You know. So. <laughs> yeah, you just mentioned an interesting name there. I do you want to get your opinion on? I've been waiting to ask you. So we got Sean Johnson going to return rounds five to eight. We got Will Kennedy who's playing really well at fullback, and we got Matt Moylan who's fit. Who, who who's the, going to be the, the drop here? Because I think Chad Townsend's pretty safe in his spot there. Is it as simple as Will Kennedy's? Even though as well as he's playing, it's going to be a bit of a Sebastian Chris uh, scenario here, where he just doesn't matter, doesn't matter how good he's going to play, he's making way. Is that what you're seeing there? I mean, I think it just really came down to how much money they paid for Moylan, which I think, yeah, he's just going to take that Will Kennedy spot. Um, in my opinion, though, I reckon Matt Moylan would just would would fit really well on the interchange and just play that sort of roaming 5-8 that Benji does. I think mm-hmm. that's where he can thrive. He doesn't need to have that pressure of, you know, I need to, you know, spark something. I need to control this team. I can just jump on, eyes up. That's what I'm good at. And that's what they brought him over for when he was at Panthers. He just had that eyes to him that he can just make, you know, make or break a game. Yeah, definitely agreed. All right, from a super coach perspective, what, what are some of the top waivers? I'll throw out the first one. If he's still seeing this somehow, if he didn't get picked up last week, Isaiah Pabaliti, dual forward, second row. If he's there in your number one, grab. Don't don't even think about it. Doesn't matter what you need in your team. Grab him. Use him as a trade piece if you need to. Move him in. Move someone else out. Who else are you seeing from a from a super coach perspective here? Hmm. Uh, just taking a quick look at the teams. I don't really see anything that's really popping out to me you've already you know got the biggest one which is Papa Lee but I think just a quick note on him is um with Madison's you know extensive history of concussions I think that really does add to his job security you know it wouldn't surprise me that if he does take if they do take that sort of boy corner approach making sure that he's okay before bringing him back but I think it's also a big thing to note is that he will play more of that I guess, defensive sort of um, side of things. So I think last game he made about 40 tackles compared to only about, you know, 20 or something in the first round, but he was playing that sort of middle forward rotation there. So I guess there is that chance that he'll score that that try occasionally, but it, unless he scores that, then I'm definitely seeing like less usage of that sort of impact role. But um, other than that, I don't see anything that's really appealing to me at this point. What about you? Yeah, a couple of, couple of low ones here. If he's on the wave, I think a Ronaldo Molotalo or a Sinali mm. Katoa. Uh, I think anyone who versus the Parramatta Eels, you know, they're always still relevant to our, our shift out wide and, you know, our centers do tend to rush up. So I think if you if one of the wingers is there, potentially okay for a matchup play. And the other one I probably would mention, don't really love it, but I guess Chad Townsend, if, if you are a half meeting, again, you know, mm. it could be a cutout ball or a kick. Um, so probably they're the only ones, but again, mo- most of the guys would be picked up, especially from a Parramatta side, uh, your Mitch Moses, your Dylan Browns, you know, looking at it this okay. week, I've got Pappenhausen versus Panthers. So I'm not really wanting to chuck the sea on Pappenhausen. I'm kind of thinking about putting on Dylan against the Sharks is where I'm leaning right now. What, what would you think to, what would you tell me about putting Dylan Brown as the captain? Dylan Brown as a captain. 
to be fair, I haven't really seen a lot of their Eels matches the last two rounds. So I can't I can't really comment on whether Mitch Moses has been the more the, the direct playmaker, the chief one, or is it Dylan Brown? You mentioned your you know preview that you know this is Dylan Brown's team this year, but I, I can't really comment on that. What about what about you? You you feel like Dylan Brown was you know worthy of that C for this week? Yeah, he's he definitely getting his hand on the ball a bit more. That um, I still think on the last tackle options they are finding Mitch a little bit more. Uh, but in mm. terms of like tackles two, three, four, you can really tell Dylan wants to get the ball. You know, he's taking a couple of those little darts that I I am liking. And he he was one who laid on the the kick for the first Sevo try. So they both Mitch and Dylan both gave Sevo a kick try assist last week. So look, you know, to me it's just the matchup. Uh, I think the Sharks have been barely hanging on these last two games. Uh, yeah. So to me, I think this is the game. If Parramatta is really going to come out and express themselves to say we're here this season, I think this is the game where you kind of just need to put it on the Sharks, so to speak, which is going to be hard because the Sharks do like to drag you down to their level, as everyone loves to say. Um, but yeah, to me, this is the game where Gutho needs to get the boys to say, this is the one we put 30 on this team and we really say that we're here. We'll move, we'll move on to the to the second last game of the round. It's the first Sunday game. It's the Newcastle Knights hosting the West Tigers. So a couple of changes here. Oh, sorry. Why not change only for the Knights? We've got Phoenix Cross on suspended. So Kurt Mann returns straight in. But I just wanted to mention a couple of returns coming up. So next week, Edric Lee is back. Round five, Kalen Ponga is back. Round six, Blake Green is back. So just as we'll talk about in this game, if the Knights can really string a couple of wins along here, I've seen that we'll go through their fixtures coming up soon. There's a real potential for like eight and one here. And we'll talk, we'll go through that in a sec. But yeah, just wanted to mention that. For the Tigers, Madge has swung the axe. BJ Lelua dropped. So Tommy Talao starts. Joe Offen and Gow with the offseason recruit has been benched. Zane Musgrove returns. James Roberts also returns into the centers. Michael Cheekham drops off the bench. All right. So the Knights got a 2 0 team versus an 0 2 team here, Chris. Do we think it's going to be 3 0 and 0 3? Absolutely. I don't see anything that points to the latter. There's, you, you, you look at you know, how Mitchell Pierce has controlled the first two games, which I really love. But then you look at the way that Luke Brooks just wasn't able to do much against. Um, his uh, other points the first two games. I think this is going to be one of those night and day ones. It, unless, you know, the uh, the Tigers really tie up the defense, I'm seeing another whitewash coming their way. Yeah, and, you know, it's the most... The, the Tigers can attack with anyone. You know, they've got a lot of those strike plays that you do want in your in your team. But to me, it was, it was the thing I did worry about at the start of the season, the defense. And, you know, the, the Roosters are going to put it on a lot of teams this year. But the way that the Roosters just went around them very, very easily, you know... It was it was it was along the face. There was no real hiding what they were going to do, but they just weren't able to shift. And you know, a guy like BJ who did miss eight tackles in that game, you know, pretty granted he did need to go. Um, but you look at someone like a Joe Offen and Gale who I have, actually didn't think was that bad the last two games. I was actually pretty mm. surprised when I saw Joe O get dropped. Um, but obviously they do think Musgrove will do a job there. James Roberts, let's talk about him. He was another off-season recruit. Missed the last game, played decently in the first game. What, what are you seeing from James Roberts? Is he going to be the guy who kind of really needs to put his uh, footprint on this game? I think definitely against, you know, a team that's, you know, flying high, he needs to, you know, sort of look back and say, what what was I capable of, you know, back a couple of years? I was, you know, state of origin potential. I was, you know, running rings around people. I was on highlight reels, you know. I need to sort of just take that step back and just, 
you know, look to just running the ball hard. I, I see him the way that he's running. He's running a bit more cautiously. He just feels like any mistake he makes is just going to be criticized. So he just doesn't have that confidence. I think he just needs to keep his head down and just charge through, I'd say. You know, use that speed. Use it while you still got it. Yeah, I agree. And I guess another thing I will factor in, because I, I did hear some from someone on Tiger making, you know, pretty critical that I did think they went and get the spoon, thought they were going to have the worst uh, defense in the comp. I did preference it by saying... The best thing about the Tigers this season is the amount of contracts they got off the books last season and who they got coming up this season. You think from a Ben Maddalino, a Josh Reynolds already gone, a Russell Packer gone next year. And to me, the, the gem of Dane Laurie, you know, mm-hmm. that, was a, that was a deal, you know, to get him. And he looks like one of the best young assets in the league against that Roosters defense, two, two line breaks, eight tackle busts, over 170 meters, I think it was. You know, he just looks like a gem. And this is what this season's all about for Michael Maguire. You know, I, I never personally saw a top eight push like a lot of other people did. I thought, you know, you're going to be near the bottom. Work out who you It's kind of like a bulldog season. Work out who you got and push again. You've obviously got Dane Laurie in your side. You've probably kept a close eye on him. Just got that elusiveness, doesn't he? What, what, what are you seeing from Dane Laurie and how excited are you for his, his long-term potential? Yeah, I mean... You saw the way he just threw himself at at the Roosters, and I, I bet you he just has like the confidence of like a twenty foot giant. Like he just did not care about who was in front of him, who was gonna you know put that shot him after he catches that ball. Um, I reckon he's in for a huge season if he can keep going like this. It's sort of reminding me of Charles Nickel Clockstay when he first came to the mm-hmm. to the Raiders. He just sort of had that sort of aura around him. But if if I do have to say one thing is maybe he just needs to, you know, add a bit more of that sort of ball playing to his arsenal and just maybe, you know, having that more fluid run during, you know, sweeping plays. I feel like he just just wasn't hitting those sort of marks when I guess Luke Brooks or Andrew threw it at the back, you know, dropped the uh, boards to there. So, but, you know, if he can have those things, you know, I'll be licking my lips. I'll be ready for him next, you know, next season, just ready to, you know, pick him up during them earlier rounds even. Yeah. And I think from, from an NRL perspective, just the Tigers just need to find their gems. And, you know, to me, I'm very happy that they got him because, you know, this is a club that, breeds good outside backs, especially fullbacks. You know, you think Ryan Pappenhausen was was from there. Uh, James Tedesco was from there. So, you know, they've obviously know how to really turn these fullbacks into really good players. So I'm really excited for, uh, for Blake, uh, Dane Laurie there. Before we move into the waivers, I just want to mention, I did say that the, the Newcastle run here. So they're 2-0 right now. They got the Tigers this week. We think that's a win? Hmm. Yeah, going to say it's a win. <laughs> okay. We go to the next round. The Knights versus the Dragons at Newcastle. Do we give them a win? Yeah, we'll give them a win. Okay, so now they're 4-0. and Then they do a pretty tough trip up to the Gold Coast. But I still think I would give them the slight edge. Would you give them a slight edge up there at the Gold Coast? Against the Titans? Yeah, yeah. Depending, I'm not too sure how quick that turnaround is. Um, but yeah, we'll give it to based on the quality. Okay, 5-0. and then we move to another Friday night game here. It's the Knights hosting the Sharks in Newcastle. We'll give them another win? That's at this point, based on performance so far, yes, we'll give them another win. Okay. So now we're talking 6-0. and Now you're 6-0. You've got Kalen Ponga back. You've got Blake Green back. You've got Edric Lee back. So then we got then it moves into a bit of a tough phase of the, of the, the schedule here. We go to the Panthers, the Roosters, and the Raiders. 
But then right after that, so let's say let's say they go three and zero and three there. So now they're six and three. But then they move into just very quickly Tigers, Cowboys, Manly. So there's a real there's a real option here for the for the Knights to really start strong, which is why, from a super coach perspective, Heimel Hunt to me, I picked him up last week, and the only reason I picked him up is because he's outside Bradman best. Now, if the if the Newcastle Knights get some of these teams where they can really start putting some scores on here and they're finding some form with Kalen Ponger out the back, there's some really interesting night players. What would what do you see from a from a Newcastle Super Coach perspective? Obviously, you know your Barnets and your Pongers and your Pierces are probably gone, but you know from the outside backs, you know a Tuala, a Hunt, and even you know like a Jacob Saifidi on the bench. Do you do you see a lot of interest there now, seeing that kind of flow they might have going for the next five weeks? Mm. I think definitely you you mentioned that those sort of outside backs. I mean, just seeing the way that Bradman Best just you know picked them apart. You know, did you see that offload for that for that one try? That was that was just money. I just cannot believe how well and how easily he he did that. And, and with that sort of you know fixtures you mentioned coming up. I could see him doing that literally every game, you know, just seeing him just assisting after assisting. So you probably did, you know, potentially pick up, you know, a little gem there in Heimel Hunt. He just has to catch and put it down, you know? Yeah. And that, that Bradman best try, the way he just stood him up, he's 19. He's 19 and he stood him up like it was nothing, you know, four minutes to go in the game. They're behind. He's got to do something. And he just was like, yep, give me the ball. Bang. So look, you know, he's one. The other one I will mention from a Newcastle perspective, Tex Hoy, obviously probably picked up in a lot of leagues, especially as the Kalen handcuff. But, you know, these last two games while he's in the starting side could do some real damage, especially against the Tigers here. If the Tigers' defense is still pretty brittle, I might see Tex having a big game here. What, what are you seeing from Tex Hoy? He's had a couple of quite to okay games in the first couple of rounds. Yeah. Is this the game where that Tex owner really reaps the rewards of picking him? And I believe that's Steven. I think Steven's, Steven's the one with Tex Hoy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I, I don't see a fullback in a Knights team with Kurtman and Mitchell Pierce, who, who just love to throw that sort of, you know, assisting pass. I, I don't see him having three quite games. He, he's going to at least get over the white chalk at least once, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. And again, just the last one to mention, you've obviously, you've obviously got him. A lot of guys would have jumped on, but kind of similar to the Papa Lee. If Dane Laurie is somehow on a waiver, even in a deep league, grab him right now. He's a dual center fullback. He's going to be very handy. He's going to bust tackles all season. So that's probably, if you're the guy coming last in the league right now and you're at the top of the waiver, I think he's the undisputed number one waiver. Would you agree? 100%. Like the credentials are right there. The performance is right there. The the performance, you know, in, in his matches correlates to, you know, the super coach. There is no denying it. That's it. All right, we'll move on to the last game of the round. It's the final Sunday game. It's the North Queensland Cowboys hosting the Gold Coast Titans. For the Cowboys, only the one change. Cole felt suspended. So we've got Tulagi, who's moved into the wing. And for the Titans, again, only the one change. Ash Taylor has a fracture in his hand, so he's out for two to three weeks. Tanner Boyd moves straight into the starting side. So the last game of the round here, Chris, we've got a, a Queensland derby here. How do you see this one going? The Cowboys, you know, Todd Payton coming in hasn't really set the world on fire, two straight losses. The Titans beat up on the Broncos last week to get their season turned around, but no Ash Taylor now. How do you see this game going? Well, I think this one's going to be a bit of a tussle. I mean, I think if Ash 
Halo was there. I would lean a bit more towards Titans, but how can you have that forward pack of a Titans going up against a Tamalolus Cowboys team? And it, you know, I, I'm I'm just gonna say it. Titans are gonna just you know smash him with that forward pack. Like you have Ruben Cotter at lock. I he ain't no Tamalolus. He ain't gonna be the one to carry on your back. I just don't see any forward there who's willing to carry this Cowboys team on their back. Yeah, agreed. You know, it's one one of the things I've kind of been interested to watch because last season's Warriors side, Todd Payton, they didn't get off to the best start, if you remember. One of their first two games, they got smashed by Melbourne by 40. Um, and it took a few yeah, weeks yeah. for it took a few weeks for Payton to really get his fingerprints on this side and make the changes that he wants. To me, just look at this Cowboys, especially like you said, the four pack. Jordan McLean, uh, you got Josh Maguire, Ruben Cotter, Mitch Dunn. Cohen Hess, who's a shell of his old self. You know, this is just a, you know, off the bench, you've got Jake Granville, who's still playing minutes. To me, it's just, again, Tino from the Titans, not having the season everyone thought, everyone thought he was going to score five tries a game, which is just ridiculous. And, you know, that, that when you look at the the Facebook pages, you know, talking about the, the rage traits for Tino and stuff, I, I, I to me, it's just like, what did you think he was going to come up there? Did you think 80 straight away off the bat? You know, I think Tino's played well. He's doing his job. You know, he's working into that starting role for the first time in his career. Um, but I think the one, obviously, last week, Dave Fafita, got a bit unlocked, you know, running up, running up against Milford and Tessie New on that edge. Um, this week, you know, he might be running up against, you know, the the Cowboys edge who, you know, has been leaky all season. You know, this might be another Dave Fafita uh, bloodbath here. What, what are you seeing from a, from a Titans team? From the you know Tanner Boyd moving in there to partner Jamal Fogarty, much of a drop, or do you think it's going to be smooth sailing? Uh, well, I'm not too sure who David Feed is lining up against, but we'll just take a look at the centers. Like he was going up against Tessie New, so he's got a choice of what East End Masters or Tabuai Fido. I think he's just going to have a field day, to be honest. He's yeah. towering over them, to be honest. Well, um, but both not known for their defensive prowess, those two centers. 100%. Yeah, so if I was, I believe Andrew has him again, he's just going to leave that seat on Dave Fafita and just sit back and relax. Um, in terms of Tanner Boyd, he's just he's just someone there just to fill that position while Jamal Fogarty runs the team on his own, to be honest. That's how I see it. Yeah, and I think it, uh, Andrew has got both Fogarty and Fafita. Both, to me, great captaincy options this week. I think for Fogarty, you know, if they do put on tries and he kicks goals and he's the one who's um, barging over for feet. I could see a big game from Fogarty. So, again, he's not going to go wrong with both of his options here. From a waiver perspective, we did mention Tanner Boyd. Uh, he is a dual hooker. So that's just one to mention. If you think this is going to be a, a Titans bloodbath, I uh, wouldn't mind getting myself a, a Titans half here and sticking him at hooker. Um, any interest in a Tanner Boyd from your end? Uh, personally, not. Uh, I would probably maybe look at, and Mitch Rain, if he's still available, I just like the way that even with those sort of limited minutes, he's he's still taking on that line. He's still doing, you know, a decent amount of tackles. So you have that sort of injury to your to hook position. You know, Mitch Rain does come in. I would put out a stone warning to avoid that sort of Ruben Cotter. I mm. mean, yep. I, I, I he's keeping Josh Maguire out of that 13. Like, uh, if you ask 9 out of 10 NRL fans, Josh Maguire would have easily gone to a 30, but for some reason, Ruben Cotter is taking Tamil Lawless position. I I think there will be people who will be jumping at it and just licking their lips, but then, yeah, just stay well away from Ruben Cotter, I'd say. Yeah, he was one of my do not go near. Um, when, when, you know, and he's getting the runs, 
And I did mention it to to Johnny last week, you know, Tomalolo had seven runs in the first game and, you know, obviously protect the asset and, you know, he's only on year four of the 10-year contract. But then the next week, Ruben Cotter goes out there and doubles his hit-ups. You know, do you really want Ruben Cotter? If you're wanting to win a game, are you wanting Ruben Cotter to take 14 runs or Jason Tomalolo to take seven? You know what I mean? So I totally agree with you there. I think Ruben Cotter is just doing something right now. Um, but it's going to be a matter of time before he just said top Hayden comes and says, let's, let's, let's try and win this game right now. Yeah. No more dicking around, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the other one I will mention from a Titans perspective, he's sitting on our waivers. I am looking at him this week as a matchup play, Anthony Don. Now I watched, mm. I watched that Broncos match last week. And I did mention it in the, in the wrap up, the week wrap up. They do throw a lot of board Anthony Don, just not very well especially off scrum plays and when they're doing big sweeping plays out to the right, it normally goes one of the halves into Brimson who throws a cutout to Don, but the cutout's not always on the mark. If AJ can just nail that pass, there's tries for Anthony Don, and especially against this team like the Cowboys where you'd think the forward pack would roll and gives Mitch Rain and Jamal Fogarty a chance to really, you know, stand their claim. I'm expecting Anthony Don to maybe get over the stripe here. So... Uh, that's probably my one to keep an eye on. Is there any other ones for you? Uh, not that I can see at the moment. I mean, I'm still shocked that Herman SASA hasn't made his way onto even mm-hmm. the interchange. That is just something I, I'm still keeping my out, eye out for. You know, if there is that injury, I mean, I can see even potentially, you know, different to last season, Origin rolling around. This guy is going to definitely make his way in. So maybe a week or two beforehand, you know, have a think about who you can, you know, trade out for Herman Esse and just watch as he just starts, you know. Yeah, definitely. And I guess the last point on this one I'll keep is one of your boys, Brian Kelly. Another one where a lot of the super coach community is saying, you know, didn't really start well, now got injured, got to hold him. To me, Brian Kelly, you know, this Titans team is going to come, this Titans team is going to start rolling. Um, you know, you started seeing it last week against that opposition. You know, Tino's only a better. You know, Jared Wallace is having a, a career resurgence. Brian Kelly's going to do just fine. So I know I've hit you up a couple of times for a trade. If I was in any other league, I'd be hitting up that guy for a trade. Uh, Brian Kelly, to me, is one of those ones. While he's injured, go speak to that Brian Kelly owner and just say, hey, look, you know, what can we do here? Um, I think he's going to be very, 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 very handy coming up soon. Agreed. I mean, he made, what, 18 tackles first round, just taking a look at it, eight hit-ups for more than eight metres, five for less than eight. So still receiving a decent amount of war. It's just a matter of time before that try hits. And he scored 47. So any sort of attacking stat, that's it, keeper. That's it. All right, before we go, just want to give you, so is there anything from a, from a total perspective here on the round, is there anything you're keeping an eye on, uh, NRL or Supercoach related that you kind of just wanting to monitor this week to see if it plays out over the coming weeks? I think the biggest one, not even actually the biggest one to be honest, I'm just going to keep an eye out on Mitch Barnett. Now, that is a question I was going to throw to you, Matt, was, you know, talk to me about his conversions. You know, he's he's hitting them and they're flying over the black dot. So would you personally give the duties back to Ponga? Look, as a Mitch Barnett owner in Classic, uh, he was my my forward pod before the season started. Um, I And I made the case, if he does knock him over at a good clip, uh, Ponga is um, below 75% career, I think. Um, and like you said, Barnett's just knocking him over. I think he's missed one. He's had a couple from the sideline. To me, why give Caelan Ponga that extra responsibility of kicking? 
just let Barnett do his thing like he's doing and let Kalen just run run and organize. You know, there's no need for him to, you know, have to line up the kick and have the pressure of goal kicking during the week. Just let Barnett do it. So, you know, probably a bit selfish of me being the Barnett owner, but to me, I just think you can't argue with the the way he's knocking him over right now. You can't really take it off him just to put it on Kalen to give him extra responsibility. What's your thoughts? Mm. I mean, he's giving me young Corey Parker vibes, if you remember mm. back when he was, yeah. I mean, it's a small sample size, you know, hitting 10 out of 11 conversions, but he's playing 80 minutes. He's doing, what, 26 to 28 hit-ups a game, about, you know, 22 tackles each game. You know, I'm just spewing that, you know, I didn't pick him up early in the draft, but look at those stats. Honestly, Corey Parker vibes. Second, like, you know, the God is returning. <laughs> and, you know, before the season, before the, the season started, obviously Pat got him in our draft league. I'd probably message him for about four days straight, just throwing out all these different two-for-one, three-for-one Barnett trades, and I'm spewing I didn't go harder because, like, again, I, I just thought this... This Newcastle team, I was a bit down. I was very high on at the start of the preseason. Then obviously a couple of off-field things with Adam O'Brien and Mitch Pierce, things happened. And I got a little bit down. Um, but yeah, and, uh, totally wrong. You know, again, I did say to Johnny last week, the Knights, their problem is never how they start a season, it's how they end the season. But for right now, for Supercoach perspective, Mitch Barnett is just gold. So, you know... Hats off to him, and you know, again, in any in any draft league, just go. Hard. If there's a player that you really like and you do feel those kind of vibes, where you know you're seeing that potential, just jump on him straight away, and you know, make the deal happen. Because you know, the worst thing is getting desperately close, and then you pulling out because of a uh, you know one piece that you don't want to throw into the trade, but then you watch him go 105 and 85 in back to back weeks, and you're just kicking yourself. So that's probably my the the one thing I'm watching for this round is the 0-2 teams, um, mm. you know, Manly, the Broncos, the Bulldogs, the Tigers, you know, there's got to come, there's got to be a come to Jesus moment with these teams where they just put a, put a line in the sand to say, we can't go 0-3 or we can't go 0-4. Um, obviously Manly has got Turbo coming back. So they've obviously got the most hope out of those teams, but especially from a Broncos perspective where you've seen all the off field news this week about uh, all the old boys and the races getting canceled and, you know, give Kevin more control. Although, and you know, they've lost Reese Walsh to the to the Warriors, who's looking for an immediate release now. The Bulldogs mm. are sniffing around some young players. So, to me, probably the one I'm going to watch this week is the is the Broncos. Um, it was a big choice by Kevin to not put Tom Dearden in in the halves. Um, so that's probably my one to watch. I'll be sitting down very intently on Saturday night um, watching that game. I'll probably sit down and watch with you then, mate. <laughs> Perfect, mate. All right. And that will do it for this week, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Chris, thanks for coming on, mate. No worries. Thank you for having me. No worries. Thanks, guys, for listening. Again, you guys are doing excellent work. Please go to the socials at the NRL Rewind at uh, Instagram and Facebook. Give us a listen. Give us a like. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great week and hear from you soon. Cheers.